98K News. It's 11 o'clock. I'm Robert Kemp. Tonight's headlines. Beijing says it's not prepared to lift border restrictions on visitors from Hong Kong. Theresa Cheng steps in to halt a private prosecution against pro-Beijing lawmaker Kwok Wai Kung. And Joe Biden is on the cusp of winning the U.S. presidency, taking the lead against Donald Trump in the key battleground states of Pennsylvania and Georgia. Chief Executive Carrie Lam says state leaders are not yet ready to allow Hong Kong people to enter the mainland without serving 14 days of quarantine. Speaking in Beijing after meeting officials, including Vice Premier Hang Zheng, Mrs Lam said she'd been told that Hong Kong should step up its efforts to stop the coronavirus if it is to be allowed a quarantine exemption. People on the mainland can rest assured that we will not ignore their health for the sake of Hong Kong's economy or Hong Kong people's demands. We have updated mainland health authorities on the SAR's latest anti-COVID strategy, but we've been told to work even harder before we can reach the threshold for restrictions to be lifted. Liberal Party leader Felix Chung has been calling for border restrictions to be eased. He says Beijing should let Hong Kong know exactly what conditions it should meet before this can happen. Certainly we are very disappointed on that, but we do understand why the central government still not allowing to open up the border because of the virus situation still happening in Hong Kong. We can actually ask the central government what's the minimum requirement that we can meet so that the border can be open. For example, um, have the zero infections for 14 days or 28 days. At least they tell us what their requirement is, and that is the target we are going for that. Justice Secretary Theresa Cheng has taken control of a private prosecution that former lawmaker Ray Chan was bringing against pro-Beijing legislator Kwok Wai Kung. The Department of Justice is now moving to have the LegCo assault case dropped. Maggie Ho has details. Former legislator Ray Chen says on his Facebook page that he's been notified of the decision, posting an image of a letter sent by a prosecution official to West Kowloon Magistracy. The letter asks the court to arrange a hearing on Monday, where the prosecution will offer no evidence to the summons against Mr Kwok. Mr Chen launched the lawsuit in May, following what he said was inaction on the part of the police. Video footage captured the moment when Mr Kwok from the Federation of Trade Unions dragged Mr Chen through a conference room and to the floor as the rival camps clashed during a struggle for control of a House committee meeting in May. Mr Chen from People Power went to hospital and said doctors told him he had suffered a slipped disc as a result of the incident. In his Facebook post, the former lawmaker says the Department of Justice has no reason to let Mr Kwok off the hook, as he put it, adding that he will be talking to his legal team about their next step. In August, the Justice Secretary exercised her authority to take control of two private prosecutions brought by Democratic Party lawmaker Ted Hoi. He had been prosecuting a taxi driver whose vehicle ploughed into a group of protesters in Shamshaipo last year, as well as a police officer who shot and seriously injured a young protester in Saiwanho. Democratic Party lawmaker James Tove says the Justice Secretary has abused her power in halting a case that the plaintiff had a realistic chance of winning. It is the victim who is privately prosecuting the attacker. It's not a third party trying to abuse the process or allegedly doing so. Secondly, even according to the very facts that the public can witness, 
there is a prima facie case of attack because the evidence is public. I think the abuse of power by the Secretary of Justice has very serious implications on Hong Kong. It will undermine the rule of law image in the international society. Joe Biden has overtaken Donald Trump in Pennsylvania, a crucial state in the presidential election. Mr Biden has edged ahead by a few thousand votes. Victory there would secure him the presidency. Earlier, Mr Biden also pulled ahead of President Trump in Georgia, another key state. You're tuned to RTHK. The time is coming up to five minutes past 11. Chief Executive Carrie Lam says she's hopeful that whoever wins the US presidential race will work to restore normal relations with Hong Kong and end what she called interference in the SAR. I don't want to get myself involved in American politics. To whatever administration in the United States of the day, I would like to make this appeal that every country, every government should respect the jurisdiction of another country and another territory. They have unreasonably imposed sanctions on government officials, including myself. So I hope that they will come back to normalcy and accept that the relationship has to be built on mutual respect. Mrs Lam also denied that the authorities suppress press freedom here, but she said journalists had to abide by the law. Asked about the case of the RTHK television producer Bao Choi, who was charged with violating the road traffic ordinance after using license plate checks in an investigation of a mob attack in Yunlong last year, Mrs Lam rejected any suggestion of selective prosecution. Critics have pointed out that pro-Beijing media have not been charged for using license plate searches. Four police staff associations have written to the vice-chancellor of the Chinese university suggesting that remarks he made about the force may have inflamed clashes at the campus during last year's unrest. Rocky Duan had said in October last year that proven cases of improper use of force by police officers should be condemned. The police force council staff associations accused him of failing to question accusations against officers and demanded that he clarify his remarks. The education sector lawmaker Ip Kin Yoon said the letter from the police groups was an insult. The letter by the four associations of the police is clearly an insult to the president of CUHK. And I think this is not only an insult to Professor Duan, one person only. It is an insult to the education sector, to the sector of intellectuals and also to the sector of the educators as a whole. Pro-Beijing lawmaker Holden Chow says it's reasonable that the officers demanded an explanation from Mr Tuan. He says there's nothing provocative about what they have written. I believe that the letter released by the police association is reasonable because the allegations made by Professor Tuan last year in his open letter, the allegation to the police made by him is unfair to the police. So I believe that the police association, they issue a letter to Professor Tuan, request him for account for what he's going to do with his uh, speech in the past, make sure that it's not unfair to the police. I think that is reasonable. Police Commissioner Chris Tang has told his officers they need to garner popular support now that peace has returned to the city streets. He's also vowed to prevent what he described as a resurgence of violence. Timmy Sung reports. After months of intense criticism of the forces' handling of anti-government protests and repeated accusations of brutality, 
Police Chief Chris Tang said it's time for the force to gather public support. As an annual ceremony to remember officers who lost their lives on duty, he said the police have faced protracted violence protests but managed to restore order. He added, however, that the force won't let its guard down even though calm has returned to the city. We must prevent a resurgence of the violence since calmness has gradually returned to our community. It is just as important for us to gather popular support and continue to fight the epidemic with the public. Mr Tang also said that the police have always put the people of Hong Kong first. Two people have pleaded guilty to rioting in the district court in connection with an event marking the death of university student Chow Zilok at the height of anti-government protests last year. Sentencing is set for later this month. Here's Maggie Ho. The two defendants are 29-year-old Wong Yam Choi, who is said to be unemployed, and 59-year-old taxi driver Chen Ming Kwai. The court heard that they were part of a group in Changquan O on the night of November the 9th, a day after the University of Science and Technology student died in hospital. The court heard that the man who said he lived in the neighborhood complained to the police about the noise made by the demonstrators and was attacked by the two defendants and others. Both defendants pleaded guilty to charges of rioting and wounding with intent. Wong's lawyer asked for a lenient sentence, saying her involvement in the case was limited and the offences were not premeditated. The lawyer for Chen, meanwhile, said his client had tried to break up the angry crowd, but he was under the influence of alcohol and was eventually swayed by others. The pair will be sentenced on the 27th of this month. There has been speculation about Chow's death, with some suggesting he fell one floor down a car park in the early hours of November the 4th while running away from police tear gas, although this has not been confirmed. An inquest into his death is set to open this month. Medical Association has urged the administration to do more to reassure parents that flu vaccines used here are safe after deaths in South Korea and Taiwan left some Hong Kongers reluctant to vaccinate their children. The association's president, Dr Choi Kin, says there's so far no evidence to suggest that the jabs used here have caused adverse effects. The flu vaccine, especially the ones from Sanofi, has been proved to be fairly safe, at least the uh, hospital authority has declared that uh, it has used over 200,000 doses and without any serious side effects. So the government needs to promulgate this kind of information to the public to reassure the parents that the flu vaccine is safe for use. But it hasn't done enough. Uh, if it had done enough, then the parents would not be so alarmed as to reject uh, the vaccination. Former chairman of Shandong-based Hengfang Bank, Kai Guohua, has been given a suspended death sentence after being convicted of abuse of power, corruption, embezzlement and receiving bribes and illegal loans. Wang Yingting has details. The Dongying City Immediate People's Court ruled that if Tai Guohua's sentence will be commuted to life imprisonment, if he doesn't commit any further crime over the next two years. Last year, Tsai's predecessor, Jiang Yunxi, was also found guilty of corruption and sentenced to death with a two-year reprieve. The Shandong province-based Hongfeng Bank has been undergoing restructuring since 2017, when a regulatory watchdog appointed its staff to head up the lender because of management and liquidity issues. The bank received 100 billion yuan in strategic investment in January through a share sale to state and foreign investors. 
Sport now and Hong Kong football has been given a boost ahead of tomorrow's Sapling Cup games. For the first time in 10 months, fans can watch live, as Adam Cheung reports. Yunlong and Mong Kok stadiums will open at 75% of their usual capacity for games tomorrow. Supporters will be allowed to sit in groups of no more than four on each row to ensure proper social distancing. They'll have to take temperature checks and fill in health declarations and wear masks properly while cheering their teams on. They won't be allowed to eat but can drink from cups and paper containers. Tickets will be on sale from 90 minutes before kickoff for the afternoon game in Yunlong between Resources Capital and Southern District and the evening tie in Mongkok where Eastern take on Happy Valley. It's a boost for the game here, which has seen clubs face immense financial stress due to the pandemic. Now with a look ahead to this weekend's football action, here's the BBC's John Bennett. The Premier League game we've all been looking forward to is here. 2020 champions Liverpool take on the 2019 champions Manchester City at the Etihad Stadium in a meeting between the two favourites to win this season's title. For City, Gabriel Jesus is available after making a goal-scoring comeback against Olympiacos in the Champions League. Joel Matip could start for Liverpool after returning to the squad but young centre-backs Nathaniel Phillips and Rhys Williams have both done well alongside Joe Gomez since Virgil van Dijk suffered his serious knee injury. Liverpool lost this fixture 4-0 back in July, just after they'd secured the title. Elsewhere, Manchester United manager Ole Gunnar Solskjaer will be fearing for his future if they lose to Everton. There's already speculation that his job is under threat after two straight defeats in all competitions. They're way down in 15th in the table after failing to win any of their first four league games at home. Arsenal look to build on their win at Old Trafford last Sunday when they take on Aston Villa, who have lost their last two games, conceding along the way. And inform Leicester City take on Wolverhampton Wanderers in a meeting between two of the division's dark horses. And a reminder of our top stories tonight. Beijing says it's not prepared to lift border restrictions on visitors from Hong Kong. Theresa Cheng steps in to halt a private prosecution against pro-Beijing lawmaker Kwok Wai Kung. Joe Biden is on the cusp of winning the U.S. presidency, taking the lead against Donald Trump in the key battleground states of Pennsylvania and Georgia. And that's the news from RTHK. RTHK Radio 3. It's time now to look at stories covered in this evening's News Wrap programme. Chief Executive Carrie Lam says state leaders are not yet ready to allow Hong Kong people to enter the mainland without serving 14 days in quarantine. Speaking in Beijing after meeting officials, including Vice Premier Hang Zhang, Mrs Lam said she'd been told that Hong Kong should step up its efforts to stop the coronavirus if it is to be allowed a quarantine exemption. Liberal Party leader Felix Chung says he's disappointed but understands Beijing's concerns. He told Francis Sitt that Hong Kong can still open its borders to visitors from other countries to boost the economy. Certainly we are very disappointed on that, but we do understand why the central government still not allowing to open up the border because of the virus situation still happening in Hong Kong. We can actually ask the central government what's the minimum requirement that we can meet so that the border can be open. For example, um, have the zero infections for 14 days or 28 days. At least they tell us what their requirement is, and that is the target we are going for that. Then the whole 
Hong Kong society understand that we need that. We have to cooperate and work out together. Many people are saying that the minimum requirement perhaps is no fresh local cases for 14 days. Do you see that happening in the near future? I mean, I, I can see that it's possible. But is that the minimum requirement for the central government or just this is pure guess? We need a firm requirement telling by the central government that what we should do or what is the requirement they need. Uh, of course, we do not know what exactly the central government is thinking about. But if they set up a minimum requirement for us, then we just targeting on that. And hopefully we can meet that within a short period of time so that the border can be opened. If we don't really have a standard, is there anything the Hong Kong government can do to make sure that we can clear cases as soon as possible? Well, clear cases, this need the whole society to cooperate. But what the Hong Kong government can do right now is open up our border ourselves. If the other government are not aligned to open up the border, then we can do it ourselves. We open up our border to let people like the Chinese people, the Macau people, the Taiwan people, or even those other countries like the Japanese, the Korean that have less infection cases. Let them come in without the 14 days of quarantine that will create economic activities. And these people are coming from some safe place shouldn't be able to bring in the infected cases into Hong Kong. Now, um, Carrie Lam has said that she wanted to go up to Beijing to fight for some policies that is going to help the SAR's economic recovery. Do you see any policies to be really effective if we don't really open up the borders? Well, of course, we do not know what sort of policy she is discussing with the mainland officials. But right now, the most urgent thing is to have other visitors to come to Hong Kong to create more economic activities. That is easily made and the shortest way to start up the economy in Hong Kong. If the other places do not open up the border, we can open up our border ourselves. The Medical Association says the government should be doing more to alleviate people's concerns that flu vaccines in the market may not be safe. Local parents have been reluctant to let their children get vaccinated after multiple deaths were reported in South Korea and Taiwan. But in a press conference, the association's president, Dr Choi Kin, says there's so far no evidence to suggest that the flu jabs in Hong Kong have caused any adverse effect. He spoke to Timmy Sung. The flu vaccine, especially the ones from Sanofi, has been proved to be fairly safe. At least the uh, hospital authority has declared that uh, it has used over 200,000 doses and without any serious side effects. So the government needs to promulgate this kind of information to the public to reassure the parents that the flu vaccine is safe for use. Uh, It may need to do this repeatedly as time goes on so that uh, more parents are reassured as time goes on as the number of vaccination done is... uh, Uh, getting more and more, and there is no adverse effect to alarm the patients. In your opinion, do you think the government has done enough to, you know, repeat that message? Well, it hasn't done enough. Uh, If it had done enough, then the parents would not be so alarmed as to reject uh, the vaccination. So what are the uh, 
doctor is going to do with the vaccines at the moment since you know uh, parents and students uh, may not want to get uh, get the vaccine parents are fairly protective and so they want to uh, make sure that it is safe before they, they use it and our doctors have actually advised them uh, if they need the, the the reassurance then they wait for uh, a couple of weeks uh, for the vaccination to see the trend of uh, side effects. Now, uh, I think uh, the vaccination, the, the doses that are not used can 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 be used for those who uh, are waiting in line for the vaccination because there are a lot lots of people who are waiting in line for the vaccination uh, because of the COVID-19 scare. So uh, uh, there, sh- there, there are still uh, insufficient uh, uh, doses of vaccination. So this will help uh, to alleviate some of the uh, missing doses. And how strong is that demand? Demand is strong. I have about 60 patients waiting for the uh, flu vaccine to be imported uh, maybe sometime uh, this month. And uh, turning to uh, COVID-19 now, um, I understand that the Medical Association wants to, you know, let people who are exempted from quarantine now uh, also get tested. Um, do you think the existing arrangement is too, too lax? The world around us is uh, covered with uh, millions of people who, are con- who have contracted the, the virus. So we are in a precarious position. And if we open the door and let uh, different types of different or different different categories of uh, people coming into Hong Kong without uh, testing or without quarantine, that would pose a very high risk for the fourth wave. So uh, to avoid this, uh, we have suggested for uh, testing everyone who comes in, although uh, quarantine may not be imposed uh, for these uh, special groups. But uh, testing must be done. What was the government's reaction to to this idea? I think government is uh, not not doing very much about this idea because the last time it took uh, the first wave uh, for them to remove the sailors from the from the exempted list. Now I'm not sure whether they they will do anything else. But uh, we need to uh, speak out for the public. Designing Hong Kong is urging Chief Executive Carrie Lam to take steps to reduce the amount of waste the city generates and support recycling here. A bill to implement a long-delayed waste charging scheme was dumped by lawmakers in the summer as time ran out on the legislative session. Designing Hong Kong's Paul Zimmerman told Anne-Marie Evans about the consequences of further inaction. If we don't pass it in this term of government and in the extended term of let's go, most likely we're talking about three to five years delay before the whole bill is back into decision mode. And so what does that mean in terms of the situation of our waste here? We need to the waste charging to get people to focus on the recycling and to want people to focus on reduction there, uh, reducing the cost of waste by feeling it in their own pockets and be good about separating their waste so that the valuable materials and the reusable materials are kept separate and we can keep them out of the waste stream. Plastics, metal, reduction in food waste, uh, we can all reduce that by, uh, by being motivated. Now, a bill on this issue failed to get out of a bills committee in the last legislative term. So where's the opposition to the scheme coming from? 
The opposition really comes from uh, both uh, sides of the aisle. We understand that uh, DAB has not been forthcoming with any support. They they worried about going to the pop the the, the community and their voters uh, and and tell them that uh, you know they have to pay money for waste and that they don't want to go out with that. And the same on the Democratic Party side, there has been this hesitation to uh, to support out of fear of going to the voters, tell them they have to pay. Do you think uh, both sides are a little bit preoccupied? I mean, this is a this is an important issue. Well, I mean, it, it's extremely uh, poor uh, from the political parties to uh, not stand on on the side of getting done, done something good, and and that it has a long term beneficial impact for for society. So it's a, it's a real sad situation that there's been uh, so politicised, and I must say unnecessarily so. I think that with some effort from the politicians to educate and to speak positively on the issue, then they would have been able to get a lot of the community to come along. Beyond charging people for what they throw away, what else needs to be done to support recycling? I think that uh, the first thing we need is to see in the street that the government is actually organised around waste and uh, the fact that uh, EPD and the food and hygiene department uh, both their waste operations are still entirely separate is, is, is I think part of the problem um, people go around the street they say the refuse collection point being in, in derelict state uh, wherever there are whether in villages or in, in Corsair Bay uh, and that doesn't encourage people to, to believe that government is organized and so if they hear about waste charging they'll go like well everybody's going to throw it on the side of the road nothing you can do about it because you can't you can't do anything now um uh, to uh, to kind of keep even a confidence you're organized so really we believe that the most important thing is that a waste authority needs to be set up where the the various aspects on the fehd uh, about keeping the streets clean and the refuse collection point and the refuse trucks are going to come Combine the, the environmental protection department's effort in enforcement, in uh, the recycling facilities, and uh, the incinerator that they're building, and so on. That it all combines into one uh, organisation. Now it's time for another look at this year's Operation Santa Claus campaign, which is jointly organised by RTHK and the South China Morning Post. Samira Montero is communications manager of Enrich Hong Kong which is one of the beneficiaries and also winner of the UBS NGO Leadership Programme. She spoke to Radio 3's Peter Lewis. Enrich is a Hong Kong charity and we provide a financial and empowerment education for migrant domestic workers in Hong Kong enabling them to escape debt, to plan for their future, and to achieve the goals that they set for themselves and their families as well. And you do that through workshops. Can you tell us a little bit about those workshops? Sure, yes. Yeah. So our, our core work is our workshops. We run five workshops in English, Tagalog, and Bahasa Indonesia. Um, and they cover a wide range of topics. So looking at budgeting, goal setting, prioritizing, also um, investment, how to invest, and when you do, how to do so safely so you can avoid scams, because there are a lot of scams which target domestic workers, how to set up a business, if that's something you want to do. And we also pair that with empowerment education. So how to talk to your family about money, how to say no. That's something that a lot of us struggle with, not just domestic workers. 
Um, and besides our workshops, we also run some other programs, for example, uh, lunch and learn lectures on very specific topics. For example, we dive deep into investment or into business. Um, and we also do one-to-one -one support, mentoring or financial counseling. Financial counseling is especially important right now when a lot of domestic workers are finding themselves in um, crisis, in distress. And we do one-to-one -one advice in those situations. And how does it help change the lives of the people who come along to your workshops? Well, a lot of us don't get taught financial literacy in school. Um, I'm not sure about many of your listeners, but I, from the polls I've taken in the past, many of us do not get taught this information. Um, many of us who are in higher salaries, we can afford to make a couple of financial mistakes here and there and learn along the way. But for many domestic workers, they don't have that luxury. They're living you know, dollar to dollar, cent to cent. Um, also, they have a lot of financial pressures on them, um, a lot of family members to support. Um, they might be specific specifically targeted because of their financial illiteracy. So people who target them because they don't know what it means to sign as a guarantor for a loan, or they don't know what to look for in loan scams. And what will you do with the money from Operation Santa Claus? Oh, well, we're so excited because um, the, the funding from Operation Santa Claus will enable us to set up a pilot debt management program for domestic workers in Hong Kong in their own languages and tailored to their needs. So debt management is not a new concept. It exists globally um, and it also exists in Hong Kong for Hong Kong residents. But there's currently nothing in Hong Kong that is tailored to domestic workers' needs. So through the funds of this program, we'll be able to put domestic workers through um, an eight-week pilot program where they will be able to access group workshops and one-to-one -one support and hopefully give them sustained tailored support to be able to overcome debt for the future as well. That was Samira Montero, and if you want to know more about Enrich Hong Kong or wish to make a donation to Operation Santa Claus 2020, please visit our website at osc.scmp.com. Those stories are part of the Newswrap program, which was broadcast on RTHK earlier this evening. And from uh, Ray Cordero, do support Operation Santa Claus. Hi, I'm Lazy Lion, and I'm usually quite laid back. But you can count me in to fight COVID-19. Here are my tips. Don't go to work and seek medical advice promptly if you're unwell. Avoid eating out or going out if it's not necessary. Keep at least one meter apart from others and avoid contact with people who show symptoms. Social distancing can help prevent the spread of COVID-19. These are the tips for us to prevent COVID-19. Live across Hong Kong, this is Radio 3. January to December, we'll have moments to Welcome to Music Nostalgia with Ray Cordero from now until 1 a.m.
Well, how very exciting. The tune that we know so well. Avian Rose with Mantovane and his orchestra. Well, it's now 26 minutes to midnight. Whenever skies look great to me And trouble begins to brew Whenever the winter winds become too strong I concentrate on you When fortune cries nay nay to me And people declare you're through Whenever the blues become my only song I concentrate on you Your smile so sweet, so tender when it first. 